0: mediated conversation on safm 27 minutes to nine the time good morning time for your first mediated conversation of the week last week it emerged that the economist Tabe lioka who had claimed to have a doctorate may in fact not have a phd lioka had previously been widely quoted she was someone you would have heard here on S F M. she'd worked for various companies and been a director at mtn and remgro and others she had also done some work for the presidency over the weekend the sunday times reported she had at one point been placed on a long list to be a member of the monetary policy committee of the reserve bank but was then Taken off that list. While well, she has said she does have a PhD, so far no proof of this has surfaced, and the London School of Economics, where she says she studied for her degree, has confirmed that no student with her name has been awarded a PhD. She is the latest in a long line of cases like this. so was the D.A.'s Bongi and Corsimikazela, who claimed to have a degree, which he did not hold. At the Passenger Rail Agency of South Africa, Daniel mtumkulu claimed to have a PhD in engineering from a German university when he didn't. There are many many other cases so then how big is this problem and how should we deal with it first this morning the scale of the problem and how can companies protect themselves from it andrew woodburn is the managing director of ambrop woodburn man a recruitment agency then The CEO of University South Africa, Dr. Pitiwe Matutu, on what universities should be doing when this happens and what impact does all of this have on them? And finally, the chief operating officer, the SA Qualifications Authority, Dr. Makapa Makafola. We start then with Andrew Woodburn. Andrew, good morning and thanks for your time.
1: Good morning, Stephen, and to your listeners.
0: We've seen so many cases of people faking their qualifications. Is this problem getting worse?
1: I'm afraid, Stephen, as much as I don't like to say this, I believe it is. We continue to find high-profile cases of falsification, and fraud. And if you can just imagine, if those are the ones we're finding, that it's really tip of the iceberg stuff. Imagine at senior manager level and lower down, imagine qualifications that are particular to things like safety and either mining or railways or so on. And those are falsified. And then the person's not trained or educated properly and does the wrong thing.
0: It's one thing for someone to say they have a PhD from the London School of Economics. Uh, other people getting qualifications from institutions that claim to be universities, but aren't really. I mean, they're often called degree mills. It's just something that you know exists somewhere on the Internet and it gives you a degree if you pay for it.
1: Stephen, these degree mills do exist um, to varying degrees of sophistication. Uh, your station was just talking to Toby Shapchak about technology falsification, and that's going to affect this area as well. Uh, and these degree mills uh, come in different ways. You can either buy fake certificates. The more advanced ones even have validation services connected to them, in other words, a call center. Others just fake the certificate. We've had that many times over the last 20-plus years where people actually are either cut and paste their name into a different certificate and claim that and have that authenticated at the police station, and they don't really know what they're stamping. Believe it or not, others have a real certificate and say they're an MBA, but they've come and got it from a very low-quality institution that's not even an accredited institution, and some others are even as bold to just make the claim and have no support.
0: Sure. Why has there been such a big rise in this? I mean, has this always happened? Has it grown? Is is there something else going on that's led to this? Do people not check anymore? So this has been something.
1: I mean, our search firm has been doing chairman succession, non-executive director placements, senior executive placements for 42 years. And we have uncovered this absolutely almost in the entire time that we've been in existence The volume is up, the methodologies are up, but why would people do it? I mean, one of the key drivers now is we've been very positive and proactive about our transformation agenda, but when you get to the board, we're talking about people mostly over 50, and therefore those people in many cases were prevented from having proper tertiary education when they were younger, but there's a big demand. And so people are falsifying qualifications to allow themselves to, let's say, open the door, to get on some of these boards. And, you know, as you mentioned, probably,, is just one of a slew of these that have done that. So the demand for key talent is high. And what that means is the supply is low and therefore people are falsifying to take advantage of that differential.
0: How can companies protect themselves from this? I mean, how do you make sure the person has the qualifications they say they have?
1: Well, one of the key methods is to use an independent supplier because, of course, our reputation is on the line. And Now, let me tell you, there are a number of techniques to do this. The first thing is, for 42 years, we've never taken a paper certificate as proof. We now use electronic checks for credits and criminal records, so it's not even at, at the qualification level. We do media scans. We do social media scans. We take multiple references. We go directly to the institution that issued the qualification, and we don't want a copy of the certificate. We want the transaction or the the transcript of both their record of attendance as well as the exact marks. And in the interviews, I will even go further. If I'm interviewing a PhD or doctoral uh, candidate, I will ask them, so why did you do that PhD? What was the topic of the doctorate and what were your findings? And in fact, Tabi when she responded on the radio to whether she had it or not, you know, mentioned nothing but what she actually studied, what she found, and where she was when she did it. Instead, there were a whole bunch of other reasons why this was happening. Now, we don't know the truth yet. I've been following the news, and as yet, there does not seem to be any uh, facts supporting her claims. Um, But there are multiple ways that you can check this, and there will continue to be multiple ways even as technology begins to assist uh, fraudsters in falsifying their qualifications.
0: When you, um, doing what you do, get in touch with an institution, a university, whatever it is, and ask uh, about someone's qualifications, do those institutions tell you? I know in some cases it would seem some institutions are now quoting the Protection of Personal Information Act and refusing to disclose that information. So
1: up till now, the institutions themselves have been as forthcoming as they can be. And the reason for that, of course, is they're protecting their own quality and reputation. The last thing you want, like LSE now, is to somebody or multiple people, because it is getting worse, claiming you've got qualifications from the institution. So in some ways, it's in the institution's interests to basically assist the validation of those qualifications. But the Poppy Act, and in Europe, in fact, the GDPR Act, is becoming problematic. I'll tell you in terms of my view to institutions, if you really want to be at the cutting edge and you're going to talk to some guests about it, I believe institutions will begin to publish these qualification lists like they do their graduation Mm -hmm. lists, which are public on the blockchain. And it will be dated and posted just like crypto transactions. And the public environment will be able to check on them because people claim those qualifications and therefore it's publicly uh, able. Tavi herself released CVs and other documents with her doctorate uh, prefix on it and the claim that it was there. So that was not secret information. Mm. It was in the public domain and therefore I cannot believe that it's in the public's interest for the Poppy Act or GDPR to be used to hide that information. The blockchain is one of the solutions that could be investigated.
0: If universities have a duty, and we'll come to them in a moment, and they may well have a duty to disclose someone's qualification, if you, um, as 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 an agency doing what you do, come across someone who has lied is there any sort of network in which you know you tell other agencies in the same business look this person has lied i mean is there any obligation on on other organizations to do that and i can imagine the fights andrew wouldn't be easy yes at this point no
1: um i mean of course linkedin is out there and people put their information on linkedin and people can comment on those posts so you know if someone's brave they could go onto her post for example and put their you know no proof and whatever it is and Things that go on the internet never disappear. But after 42 years, we have an extensive database both throughout Southern Africa, the rest of Africa, and external global executives. And you can imagine the sort of things we record on our own data that are perfectly legal and owned by us. But certainly, I would say to you, there's one other thing that could be done. And in this instance, uh, I've been talking with some of my clients about why corporates don't prosecute fraud. And the instance is really that there's nothing to gain. It's not like someone's stolen billions from them and they want that money back, but certainly in this particular case, the presidency could prosecute at this point in time with nothing being uh, proved. It seems quite clear where the facts lie and in the interests of growing our ethics and the fabric of our society, this is something that government should do. And If you were the president, for example, and you wanted a way to build your ethical position, and we really struggle in our country with prosecution of criminals, this should be an open and shut case, as others should be, and it's a way of beginning to rebuild our social fabric. So no, at this point, nothing shared, Stephen.
0: Andrew Woodburn, thank you very much indeed. Managing Director of AMROP Woodburn Man. Really do appreciate the time. 17 minutes to nine, your mediated conversation around fake qualifications continues. Dr. Batua Matutu is the CEO at Universities South Africa. Dr. Matutu, good morning and thank you for your time this morning.
2: Good morning, Stephen, and uh, good morning to the SAF. Um, listeners.
0: When people claim they have a degree from a particular university and they don't, I mean, in a way, it must be flattering to the university. But it must be so frustrating, really, when people do this.
2: Uh, I think it is uh, a concern at, at, at many levels. Uh, the first one being that uh, these people usually have uh, other degrees. And uh, just taking it to be okay to just lie. And uh, you find out that, in this case, this person uh, is not in a research position, is not at a university, uh, so could have been taken at uh, with a master's qualification. So you find out that the lying um, is just really, really, in the broader scheme of things, because uh, these positions could have been um, um, uh, if you would have, she would have received them without uh, having to lie. So that, for me, is about uh, what it is that graduates get taught, the principles that get instilled in graduates. I think I think that's a concern. We rely heavily on parenting and all of that. Uh, that is 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 a, is a big concern. However, legislatively, in South Africa, um, I think when you talk to the people from SACA, they will tell you the provisions which have been made Mm -hmm. uh, to ensure that, firstly, there is a record um, uh, that is out there where people can look at a database. And then, uh, secondly, when uh, a person misrepresents qualifications, they can be recorded within the SAQA as well. So it's something which is there, which uh, people uh, can use to go uh, track what has happened, which I think is a a serious uh, uh, issue. And also, uh, it has been made uh, to be uh, an offence, which uh, can where a person can face up to five years sure. in jail right. for Do- misrepresenting their qualifications.
0: I'm going to so, co- come on- to that with the qualifications authority uh, in a moment, Dr. Matutu. If I may ask, mm. one of the things that happened in the Liorca case, and I know that this has happened in other cases with South African universities, where a journalist will phone the university and say, this person claims to have a degree, and the university won't say whether they have the degree or not. Is that a problem?
2: No, uh, normally, if you are involved, let's say uh, you are a future employer, you get the candidates to sign a certain uh, 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 agreement where you can go and do the investigation uh, ahead of time. And uh, similarly, uh, when you are, are going to appoint people at board, you can do that. And unfortunately, it looks like in this particular case, none of that has happened. So uh, these agreements are signed before you get taken in a position. So it's not that difficult.
0: Okay, so I can understand that for a company that's doing the recruitment and they want to know, does Stephen Curtis have his Bachelor of Journalism degree from Rhodes University? But I know of journalists who phoned universities and say, and in recent times, Dr. Mututu, and said, this person claims to have a technical degree, they're involved in a technical subject, and it matters, and therefore I would like to know if they have the qualification. So that person's not gonna tell me as the journalist, um, yes, I give you permission to, you know, I give the institution permission to tell you whether or not I have a degree. I'm talking about someone in the public eye that a journalist is investigating, uh, Dr. Um, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, Daniel cool was the perfect case because he would never have given permission. Is there a duty um, on the institution then to say, yes, this person has a degree or not?
2: Uh, I think one would have to weigh the legislation and see how much they clash so it becomes a legal issue where we've got the Poppy Act on one side and we have the National Qualifications Framework uh, Act on the other. Okay. Because those are the two legislations mm. which will have to be weighed.
0: It would seem to me <laughs> that if Stephen Curtis claims to have a Bachelor of Journalism degree from Rhodes University and doesn't, and the university, so a journalist now investigates me and, and asks the university, does Stephen have his Bachelor of Journalism degree? And I don't have it. And the university won't say that. This just encourages more lying. I mean, isn't that the problem? The Poppy Act may be there. If it stops the universities from releasing information, it must be changed as a matter of urgency because this would create the enablement of lying, it would seem to me.
2: No, certainly. I think it's a serious issue. But uh, what needs to change are the legislation to enable that to happen. So, as I'm saying, one will have to weigh the two legislations and ensure that uh, the public is protected in the process.
0: So, do you think at the moment universities may legally be withholding information from journalists who are looking at this?
2: It's possible unless, as I'm saying, the candidate has signed an an agreement that uh, this thing has, uh, can can be done, which is why these are signed. So I do think that, um, and also there, there are other ways of uh, uh, protecting the public. There are professional bodies for this kind of uh, qualifications where uh, certain people have to be registered uh, within certain professional bodies to do, certain kinds of work, Mm. like in the medical uh, 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 areas and so on, engineering. Uh, So within the professional uh, bodies, people can come and and, and complain about a particular issue Mm. or try and get information about a particular issue. These are professionals who are registered. So at a university, it's a bit different in that you obtain the qualification and it was goodbye, goodbye, uh, until you come back and you want your certificate and so on. Yet for a professional, in a professional sure. field, sure. Yeah, there, there's some commitment uh, which is there.
0: I mean, I understand that. I mean, what I can't understand is why um, graduation ceremonies are public events, and yet a university will know that a person is could be in a graduation photograph and won't confirm the degree or won't say, no, that person didn't confirm the degree. I'm just, I'm very worried, Dr. Matutu, and I, I don't want you to feel as if I'm ambushing you, but I'm very worried that if universities take a legalistic position because of the Poppy Act, we're making it easier for people to lie. And that, for me, is a problem. No, why
2: not? Because you find out that in most instances... Um the uh, these people are employed, and the people that we have mentioned so far, you find out that they are practicing within their area of employment. As I'm saying, it looks like none of the potential employers ever checked this for this particular candidate.
0: Dr. Patiwa Motutu, thank you very much indeed. CEO at University of South Africa. In a moment, the Chief Operating Officer of the South African Qualifications Authority, Dr. Makapa Makapola. You're with SAFM, nine minutes to nine. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continue mediated conversation this morning around fake qualifications. Six minutes now to nine, the time. Dr. Makapa this is the Chief Operating Officer of the South African Qualifications Authority. Dr. Makafola, good morning and thanks for your time. Uh,
3: good morning, Stephen, and to you and to our listeners. Thank you for inviting us to talk about this uh, very critical topic.
0: Sure. Firstly, if someone is guilty of lying about their qualifications, are they guilty of an offence? Yes,
3: uh, in terms of the... Amendment Act, uh, it's very clear, uh, Section 32, that it says that if anybody needs to a qualification, the you know, there are offenses of penalties related to that. I mean, you can serve up to a minimum of five years, or uh, based on, you know, whether by fine or So if it's an organization is up to almost 10 years, so that it is in terms of the current amendment, the uh, South Amendment Act uh, 2019, uh, NQF Amendment Act 2019.
0: Have there been any convictions under this that you're aware of?
3: Not to my knowledge, uh, uh, Stephen. Just to share with you, I mean, this is a worldwide problem. Uh, with an industry anticipated to be over uh, $2 U.S. billion. As far as back as 2015, a Karachi-based software company was accused of making millions of dollars with what you call the Green Mill Scam. So this was one of the biggest uh, scam on record, uh, which was uncovered by the New, uh, New York Times expose. And the company's offices were only raided after the expose. Mm-hmm. And and you can see this, low, I mean, that of 2015. As I speak to you, currently there's a book that has been published in 2023 which talks about fake and fraudulent mm-hmm. credentials. And and this is more than what South Africa can chew. I mean, this is global. And, and so, FACWA is part of what you call a, a game movement. This is a and international uh, you know people coming together called Global Academic Integrity Network, so where we sit together to look you know and, and to look at those people who are coming from outside into the country or leaving the country, and in exchange information and then what makes us even very critical as an organization as well, because we verify the authentication of a qualification, where most you know agencies don't do that. And, and the Act you know, gave us the, you know, the power to be able to do that. And, and it is expected of people to come to us. Although okay. it's not a must, but they must come to us to verify and authenticate their qualifications.
0: So if, for example, um, is there any duty on anyone to report someone who they know has faked their qualifications? Look, I think, to me,
3: for being a good citizen, for the, for the good of the country, I mean, something that people need to, you know, sure. to, to
0: report it. But there's no, but there's no legal obligation.
3: Yes, and and the other use an example like I mean, if you check most institutions, I'm glad that you have that one. I mean, we as 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 management, we put our credentials uh, on on the website of the organisation, and then I think it's only fair for people to respond positively to say yes, these people have that qualification. And I say, I mean, we are the ones that can I, offer that authentic certification. Yeah, so
0: what I'm trying to get to is there could be someone in the public eye, could be me, for argument's sake, a useful example. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I claim to have a bachelor of journalism degree roads the university themselves might know that i don't is there any duty on them to say anything to anyone let me give you another example um a company does a search for me because they're thinking of uh, doing something they discover that i don't have the journalism degree but they know that i'm working for the sabc which believes that i have one is there any duty on anyone to report the fact that i would be lying in that case
3: Look, I mean, talking from the organization that I represent, I mean, it's our responsibility to do that. I mean, to because I mean, if somebody triggers something like that to you, it's only fair for you to investigate internally as well. I mean, rather than, you know, allow these things to get out of hand, to, to be able to check. And, and that's why we are, we are as, a, as a we are available to verify and authenticate qualifications. And I think most people don't use us, and they know that. As, that's why I shared with you. I mean, we belong to a global movement where we exchange information, and it's not sure. easy to, you know, to sense. I mean, once you have that kind of data that you're sitting with, I think it's important that you know to, to come and you know approach us based on that.
0: Okay, how do you verify someone's qualification? You just asked the university.
3: No, what we normally do in, in terms of our verification processes, I mean, uh, one of it is with the national qualification. We have what we call the National Land National database, which is about 22 million. Everybody else who is enrolled at an institution in that program, let's use the word, is accredited, is registered on the SACWAT database. That I mean means you can you know I mean if, if you're your are, you are potential employer you can contact Sakwa to verify somebody you want to employ. So we, we have that database. If the foreign qualification. We, I mean, we, we deal with, I mean, we, we, with uh, various foreign, I mean, movements that we're working with to ensure that, you know, whatever he says, you have a PhD is indeed equivalent to First of all, be equivalent to the South African uh, PhD as well. I mean, that's something that we need sure. to look into. What so, so we, we, we are responsible to ensure that that happens. And then, once you bring that to us, we can be able to issue a certificate, and we can verify and defend that certificate.
0: Okay. It would seem to me from everything that I've heard in the last half hour it's still pretty easy to get away with this fraud and no one seems to report anyone else and as Andrew Woodburn told us companies won't even prosecute people who lied to them.
3: I think to you me know, that's one of the biggest problems I mean you just raised as well to say you know maybe we we're busy drafting regulations around the amendment because I mean it gives us more you know one more, more cheap to buy it in terms of you know having the, the uh, this registration of misraps and, and and the question is, how do we go about that and to ensure that, you know, people comply? So I think the amendment that gives us an opportunity to draft the regulations together with the Department of Education and Training, uh, consulting with the stakeholders, which just means the quality councils, and institutions to ensure that we tighten uh, this loophole.
0: Thank you very much indeed, Dr. Makapa Makafollop, the Chief Operating Officer of the South African Qualifications Authority. My thanks also to Dr. Patiwi Mututu, the CEO at University of South Africa, and starting us off today, Andrew Woodburn, Managing Director of AMROP Woodburn Man.